Welcome back to Current Affairs, our show about the stories of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. These shorter contemporary stories come out on Fridays, while our extensive, full-length, super-duper long main episodes come out on Wednesdays. Well, today I'm very excited to give you guys another major update in the case of the murder of Dan Markell. Last week, we shared that Charlie Adelson, Dan's former brother-in-law, had been found guilty on charges of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and solicitation of first-degree murder. Basically, he was found guilty of planning and paying for a hit on Dan that was carried out by a set of other individuals who had previously been found guilty and who had cooperated with the authorities, at least some of them. Well, that case took an even more dramatic turn on Monday night when Donna Adelson, Charlie's mother, and Dan's former mother-in-law was arrested at the Miami International Airport and presented with these same charges as her son had just been found guilty of. Donna is 73 years old and was arrested carrying one-way plane tickets to Vietnam with a planned two-day stop in Dubai. Notably, Vietnam has no extradition treaty with the United States. State Attorney Jack Campbell told media that although law enforcement had believed that they had enough evidence to arrest Donna for some time, the attempt to fly overseas had pushed them to, quote, make a decision quickly. Continued Campbell, we started talking to some of our law enforcement partners about the complexities of trying to bring someone back from either Dubai or Vietnam. And that might be a very complicated and lengthy process. So that's why we had to make a decision very quickly. Among the evidence were new phone calls between Donna and Charlie after the latter was convicted last week. The affidavit said the calls, which were monitored, included multiple conversations, quote, in which Donna is telling Charles that she is getting things in order, creating trusts, and making sure her grandchildren are taken care of. She discusses plans for a suicide, but also discusses plans to flee to a non-extradition country, end quote. The affidavit also noted that Donna and Harvey had considerable financial resources to run. Donna is currently being held without bond and is expected to be transported to the same detention facility where her son currently awaits sentencing. Campbell also noted the state did not have the evidence to arrest Donna's husband, Harvey Adelson, at the same time, although he was traveling with Donna. The case has captured a significant amount of national attention. We've heard from a lot of you guys who heard our first episode and full-length episode about this case. Twitter user DuckDuckFlamingo summed up much of the commentary we're seeing when she wrote, Imagine being a multimillionaire with a successful husband, three children, a surgeon, a periodontist, and an attorney, and beautiful, healthy grandkids. Perfect life of luxury. You retire and throw it all away because you're a petty, evil, selfish witch. Yikes. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again, but it's a family affair. (laughs) I mean, guys, come on. That is wild. I think last week we were talking about this and wondering if charges were going to come down for Donna, which Mm -hmm. seemed pretty inevitable at that point. And here we are this week talking about it. I think the big question on everyone's minds now is, will Wendy be charged? Wendy Adelson, Dan's ex-wife. Yeah. Or is she, have they kept her completely out of the loop? You know what I mean? Exactly. I don't actually believe that Harvey knew anything 
at the time of the murder, because I, as I recall from our main episode, Charlie and Donna were caught on a recorded line talking about how they were specifically trying to keep Harvey in the dark about what was going yeah. on. I mean, it's wild because even before we had this podcast, when I listened to Over My Dead Body, I remember there being what seemed to me incriminating evidence against Donna. So it's just, it's all, all the puzzle pieces are finally fitting together Five years after I listened to that, what is it, been two years since we did our case, a year and a half? Yes. I, well, I think it's been almost exactly a year. Oh, wow. I mean, this murder happened a long time ago. This has been a long time waiting for the Markel family, yes. and we could not be more excited for them that they're finally getting to see measures of justice. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we move to today's main case, which, boy, it's just wild. Big shout out to patron and longtime listener Leah for sharing this with us. It is a classic love murder tale of deception, betrayal, and an internet scam gone very, very wrong. 47-year-old Enya Thea Kenoyer and 51-year-old Stephen Edward Riley Jr. of North Dakota had been together for about 10 years when Stephen got an email that would change the course of their lives. The lawyer of a distant relative had reached out to Stephen to let him know that through a set of genetic and legal quirks, he was going to be inheriting a significant sum, $30 million to be exact. Well, Ina and Stephen did what any normal couple would do. At first, they were stunned, but then they started thinking about what that could mean for them. Everything would change. Their lives would obviously never be the same. The problem was that before too long, it started to seem to Ina that maybe her boyfriend's plan to be a millionaire 30 times over maybe didn't include her. Maybe he wanted to go off and do something different, be with someone else. Get, you know, that trophy wife he was looking for. (laughs) 30 million trophies. (laughs) 30 million trophies. Maybe 30 million wives. But soon the fateful day came to pass. On September 3rd, Stephen went to a nearby airport where he was meant to meet the lawyer who had emailed him to organize the transfer. Whatever her suspicions, he brought Ina along with him, along with some other friends. Well, the lawyer never showed up, but the trip was still filled with drama. Stephen's friends reported that he began to feel ill, complaining that he felt drunk even though he hadn't been drinking. He said his stomach hurt and he nearly collapsed. At this point, his friends wanted to get him medical help, But Stephen's girlfriend, Ina, was adamantly against it. According to the police affidavit, she told him that he was suffering from heat stroke and he just needed to go home. It's a red flag when when your girlfriend doesn't want to get you medical attention if you're not feeling well. Stephen's friends weren't so sure. The next morning, Stephen's friend, Wesley Torgerson, came by the couple's house to check in on him. Ina reported that Stephen wasn't there, but at a local walk-in clinic. Skeptical, Wesley checked every walk-in clinic in their town of Minot, North Dakota, as well as the ER and found that Stephen hadn't been there. Authorities were finally called later that day. When they arrived, they found Stephen unresponsive. He was rushed to a local emergency room before being transferred to a larger hospital in Bismarck. Alas, it was too late. And unfortunately, Stephen died on September 5th. When Ina was questioned about her boyfriend's death, she initially repeated her story that he had been suffering from heat stroke and that had occurred on September 2nd. What's more, she said that Stephen had been drinking all day on the 3rd. Well, apparently Ina didn't realize that claims like he had been drinking all day right before his death can be verified medically later on. The toxicology report showed that he didn't have any alcohol in his system. What he did have was a boatload of ethylene glycol, which is, of course, the main ingredient in antifreeze. 
And was there anything in Ina and Steven's house to support the evidence that he had died of antifreeze poisoning? Why, yes. Yes, there was. <laughs> this is where Google searching would have come in handy. A lot of times. She was steering clear to that Google machine because it gets them every time. <laughs> Authorities found a Windex bottle filled with green liquid that was not, in fact, window cleaner, but antifreeze. In the garage, a Coors Light beer bottle and plastic mud containing the substance were also found. When asked how she thought her boyfriend might have ingested the antifreeze that killed him, Ina Sherlock Holmes's theory over here was that he might have accidentally ingested it by, quote, smoking a cigarette that might have fallen into antifreeze in the garage. She also wanted to make it clear to authorities that, well, it might seem like poisoning. They should understand that heat stroke symptoms, quote, mimic poisoning. I'm so glad the investigators have her with all this information, yeah, to tell them. Yeah. Especially with all the medical professionals around. <laughs> yeah, I know. But investigators had a different theory. In their theory... Ina was pissed that Stephen planned to leave her after receiving his inheritance. Contributing to that story was the fact that on the day he got sick and was supposed to get all of the inheritance at the airport, Ina had dumped Stephen's belongings all over their front lawn in a complete rage. Also, the friends told investigators explicitly that Ina was upset because Stephen was going to leave her and because those same friends said that Ina had made comments about poisoning him with antifreeze, both before and after his death. Yeah, this is not tracking well for Ina Holmes over here. And then there was the fact that she admitted to serving Stephen sweet tea, a sweet beverage that could be used to mask the sweet taste of antifreeze throughout the day on September 3rd. And the fact that she was alone with him for more than 12 hours after he got sick in front of his friends and before the authorities were called. Indeed, to the investigators, it seemed like the clear motive was money. Ina had even told police in an interview after Stephen's death that she believed that she was entitled to the inheritance because she was his common-law wife. Generously, she planned to split the money with Stephen's son, Ryan. Oh, it's so sweet. Now, it is true that some states recognize so-called common-law marriages where a longtime couple can be considered married without having formally gone through the process. But! North Dakota is not one of them. When investigators explained that to Ina, she apparently became, to use the words of the affidavit, incensed. That one might have been a good one to Google if common law marriages are recognized in your state. Yeah, I think that would have not been so incriminating. And, and more just wise. Yeah. <laughs> well, the cherry on top of this shit Sunday was that, and you guys at home have probably already guessed this. There never was any $30 million inheritance. That's right. Much to Ina's chagrin, the random relative that Stephen had never heard of, whose lawyer suddenly popped up in his email offering to give him an eight-figure inheritance, was a ruse all along. What? I mean, you're either in the beginning of a horror movie or, as Stephen's son Ryan later put it, it was an internet scam. And so, in the end, all that was left for Ina was to be arrested for poisoning not her almost-millionaire common-law husband, but indeed her no-millionaire, everyday, normal boyfriend. Ina was charged with Class AA felony murder, the most severe charge in North Dakota, and is awaiting to be arraigned in December. What a ride. Wow. Feel horrible for Ryan. Horrible for Ryan, absolutely. 
when I first found this case, I was like reading articles as they came out. And so I'm reading that first she murdered him over this inheritance, thinking that she was going to inherit. And then the second article is saying, but she can't inherit because she's there's no common law marriages recognized in North Dakota. And then another one was like, there was never $30 million to begin with. Crazy. Oh, gosh, guys, this is like the new Nigerian prince scam, huh? It's no bueno. And all she had to do to find that out was to not poison him. Yeah, there just seems like there's just so many things that <laughs> you could went do wrong. instead. <laughs> like it was like bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Although now we have a not- new test. You, if you want to see if your boyfriend really loves you, just scam him and say he's inheriting $30 million and see if he decides to dump your ass. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> Let's not antifreeze him. Let's after. definitely not antifreeze him. If you love something, lie to it and tell it it's receiving $30 million. And if it doesn't leave you, it's yours. Until next time, I'm Jesse Bray. And I'm Andy Cassette signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs. <laughs> <laughs>